host, as always. And this week, I am joined by one of my very best friends in the whole wide world, Amanda Farrow, the Princess of Power. How are you? Oh my goodness, I'm so much better now that I'm recording a podcast with you. This is sounds legit like, a highlight of my week. Sounds like we say that just about it's the highlight of week, my week too. Sounds like we say that almost every Tuesday, but normally it's every other Tuesday because normally True. you're here with me for video game week. But fun fact, everybody, this week is actually board game week. Linda is taking the week off. She is not feeling well. So Amanda was originally scheduled to be on. I was. And oh my goodness, how fortunate is it that she was ready to be on and came prepared. So today, Amanda, is like a smorgasbord of crazy board game announcements. I think, because we have four board game announcements to talk about, I never saw any of these coming ever (laughs) in a million years. So we're going to talk about them it's been a real one today, right? It, we, the, today is uh, peaks and valleys. And I like to think that these four board games are near the peak, which you can judge that what you will. <laughs> the board game announcements are near the peak. But here we go. Also, you and I played some board games. So we are going to go around the horn as well. So everybody, this is episode 253. It's board game week. And... Yeah, let's just get started. Amanda, we're going to go around the horn. You have two games. I have one. Why don't you start uh, Dealer's Choice? Which one would you like to talk about first? Well, I think what I want to talk about most today is Adventure Tactics. I have had my eye on this game since the designer was posting pictures of the art in a board game group on Facebook. The and, art is amazing. Yeah. Oh, it, it it looks great. Tell me about this game, because this is one of those ones where the Kickstarter came out at the absolute worst time ever. Of course. But Because they always do. The ones always. that I really care about come out when I am not ready for them. Mm-hmm. And the ones that I'm like, well, I should do this anyway. That's when I, when the money's sitting around. That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. So, but you guys were fortunate enough to get a, get your hands on one of the Kickstarter editions. Sure. Tell me, uh, what's Adventure Tactics all about? So I can sum up Adventure Tactics in a single sentence. I'm down. You know, I love summing up a game in a single sentence. It's like my hobby. I know it is, and I and I love that about you. So I want to I want to pitch you this game in a single sentence. Okay. It's Gloomhaven, but less cumbersome. Whoa. I mean, not hard to be less cumbersome than Gloomhaven. All That's right, like, all right, all right. I'm going right. to be fair slower enough, than enough. a Ferrari. Or or it's Gloomhaven, but for kids. Okay, that now, so that that is a sales pitch that I really like. Gloomhaven, for those listening, very big, very, very crunchy. Yeah. Lots of miniatures. Like This game has a lot of minis. Like, don't get of, me wrong. But the, but but Gloomhaven has like enough bits that an entire cottage industry has sprung up about uh-huh. making and sourcing and producing ways to store all of the bits. Like you could yeah. have your entire side hustle right now because everybody got to have a side hustle. Everybody your entire side, side hustle could be helping people organize their Gloomhaven stuff because not only is it very popular, but it needs a lot of help. It needs a lot of help. Um, If we're going to talk immediately about organization and how adventure tactics works, I want to talk to you about this box. So immediately, and you know how I feel about organization and great box organization, especially like internally that I don't have to go and beg my husband to go and print out 3D printed nonsense. I like it a lot. Uh-huh. It's really, really helpful to me to just be able to open a open up a game and it's just ready to go. Everything's ready to be slotted up. So it really does remind me of a lot of the European games that have a ton of like I have a ton of cards to keep them um, to keep everything organized and and in their proper places. The organizational guide for adventure tactics is really easy to follow. It still does take time to organize it, but it ha- it comes with all of the bits right there. You didn't need to go and ask James to print you out anything. 
Okay, so I was right. I just needed to make sure I was I wasn't losing my noodle. Um so anyway, that's about the organization. Actually getting into the game doesn't take that much, doesn't take that much effort as a player. Now, if you're setting it up for the first time, it takes it does take some time to like figure out how the miniatures need to be positioned on the board, like for enemies and stuff like that. Uh, but it's so just to just to stop you briefly, this is a um because we said Gloomhaven, but we didn't say yes. like so. This game so I, is it's a like it's a role playing game in a box, more or less. It is a role playing game in a box. It is a tabletop role playing game in a box that doesn't have like write in stats or anything like that. Like you don't have a character sheet, you have a character board. So that character board is customizable depending on what kind of jobs you've chosen. So for me, I started off as a fighter, then I went and I was a cleric, and then I became a paladin. Because of course I became a paladin. I I just wanted to soak all the damage and do all the healies at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I was able to customize my board really dependent on how many different upgrades I took with all of the different classes that I took. So I've upgraded paladin a couple of times. I am working towards like my big my next big multi class, but it's very D and D. Like it is. It is like D and D, but a board game. And it's also got a lot of those it, like it's it does have some fiddly bits like Gloomhaven where it just it it could get really overwhelming because there is that set story and there's a lot of combat like it is very combat focused, whereas Dungeons and Dragons doesn't necessarily have to be because it's about your imagination. But all in all, Adventure Tactics, like to get through a like to sit down and play Adventure Tactics through a scenario Took us like what an hour, maybe an hour and a half to get through absolutely everything, including all of the level ups at the end of it and getting things put away and cleaned up. So the game is extremely accessible, even for people that don't necessarily like want to role play. They just want to pick their character and go bash in some skulls, like go bash in some goblin skulls. Um, and yeah, so we're in, we're actually in Act Three of the story now, which means that we're we're getting very close to the end of of this robust story. And I don't really want to go into the story and spoil it for anybody, but it's really really interesting. And so far, there's only been one fight, like one scripted fight that wasn't really all that good, but the rest of them have been fantastic in terms of actual boss mechanics, having to understand like where to position. And there's a lot of communication because you know you have. You're randomly drawing initiative along the way, so it's not set up via stats. It's just luck of the draw. Okay. So it is, it's a complex game, but it's not nearly as complex as Gloomhaven, and it is far more friendly to folks who love the combat of games like Dungeons & Dragons but may not love the role-playing element of it, but they like the story. I'm looking it up on Board Game Geek. Yeah. So this is from Letterman Games. It's the the official title for the game is Adventure Tactics Domain uh, Domian's Tower, right? Yes. That's the first. We are, we are about to get up to that tower. And so – you know, for sake of completion, you know, looking at this stuff. So, Adventure Tactics. Wow, it's very well rated. On um, it's very good on the board game geek. So it's designed by Nicholas Yu, art by a number of people, and I think that's probably because of the number of classes. Because it looks like there are twenty different classes in the game uh, that you can choose from. The way it was described to me is that this definitely takes its own spin on the job system from like Final Fantasy Tactics, which um, which explains kind of extremely multi-classed, like very, very multi-classed. You don't even necessarily need to specialize. You can just take a little bit of everything. And then if you decide after you've taken a little bit of all of the different classes, you can become a champion, which, you know, is extremely powerful. Sure. Yeah, no, this sounds right in my wheelhouse. It is. I'm I am, looking forward to playing this with you. It is super cool. I I cannot wait for the world to be set up in such a way. We are very over the global pepperoni. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I mean, I would like the Fire Nation to go back. So, yeah, so that. that is Adventure Tactics Dom- 
Domianese Tower. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's D-O-M-I-A. Domianese? Okay, so D-O-M-I-A-N-N-E Tower. And yes. uh, it is currently available on Amazon. It's about a hundred bucks. It's ninety dollars yeah. on Amazon. It's a, it's a chunky a game, but yeah. it actually is gonna. It's gonna give you a lot, a lot of value out of that because you can you can go in there and you can play and replay as much as you want. Well, this is almost also this is also one of just looking at board game geek itself. This is one of those board games that is kind of almost like a console in itself. In that they have already planned several additional expansions and additional hero packs and stuff like that that are going to be coming out and assuming this is successful which it looks like it is because it's doing very it's doing fairly well um i would expect that this will keep going so this is one of those you get it and the expansions will be less expensive so it'll build up over Mm -hmm. time i am excited to play this excited to eventually have this so that is uh adventure tactics I am that very is. much regretting your your the way you describe this definitely makes me regret the uh, the timing of their Kickstarter. If only they could make sure their Kickstarters are good when I'm good. I think everybody I should mean, clear them with right? me. Um, if you don't mind, board game community. So I'm going to talk about a game called Planet, which okay. came out in 2018. It the it was designed by. Ertis Solinskis, the artist is Sabrina Miraman. It's from Blue Orange Games. Okay. Uh, it's age eight plus, two to four players. Planet is a game where you are quite literally building a planet. And the way you do that is you actually have what looks like a 12-sided die, and it has magnets on it. And you pick up magnet-shaped uh, hexagonal tiles and attach them to your giant d12 and on these 12 these five you know hexagonal shaped i'm very wandavision has me all obsessed with hexes right now so as you have the hexagonal shaped magnets you attach them to the planet and they all have different biomes on them so Mm -hmm. be it desert or mountain or forest what have you the idea is you take those uh, you, you take those tiles and align them across your little planet and make continuous biomes. And the game takes place over 12 turns. And what you are attempting to do is slowly build land masses on your planet that are big enough to allow species to develop there. And yes. so you play out species cards and you know, at the end of every turn, whoever meets whoever best meets the conditions that a species needs um, will be able to take that. So, for example, polar bears, they need just they will go wherever the most ice is. So whoever has the most contiguous little triangles of ice will get it. But there's and so we played this played and uh, we, I played in mixed company. So it was myself and the general and then our two youngest and uh, she was able to pick it up very quickly. Uh, my That's middle awesome. son crushed it. Of course. And it, he's not usually big on strategy type games. You know, normally he's more of the dexterity game guy in the house. However, this game was simple enough because it uses drafting mechanics. And in his case, he was just it's face up drafting. So you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about bluffing or, you know, hiding what you're doing. And so he was just like, listen, I'm going to pick two things and I'm going to get all of them. And uh, it worked. That's awesome. It didn't hurt that he was being passed to by his by his baby sister, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> she did not hate draft, if you know what I mean. But Good. I think this is really fun. I'm a big fan of materials, right? The components, the 12-sided planets feel really cool to like move around. It felt like I was solving a Rubik's Cube while I was looking around. My only complaint is that it is very easy to pick it up and knock your tiles off. Oh. Because the magnets aren't super strong. So what a problem that we had is our fidgety daughter was spinning her planet and her land masses kept flying off the planet. And, oh, boy. Uh, 
Fortunately, she eventually figured out it was easy when she only had two tiles placed. But by tile like six or seven, she realized that it was a bad idea to have to recreate her planet every time she decided to spin. Um, This game is available. Let's see. Planet is it's less than 30 bucks on Amazon right now, which is only less expensive than Adventure Tactics Uh, by a, a significant margin. Yes. This is uh, – it's very pretty. It's very bright. Uh, this is not you know, crazy fantastical. You are, like I said, building a planet. I think this is one of those games – You know, we are working on a list of games to help talk about like STEM and stuff like that. And this is, I think, one of the better games to get – kids talking about biomes and why animals are suited to different biomes. And so I think that will be somewhat interesting. Some of the animal cards, they're like, okay, so for these goats, you need uh, the most mountains, but those mountains can't be touching ice. Why is that? It's a little bit obvious if you think about it. But it's an interesting discussion about why is it that this animal doesn't have ice, you know? Um, You know, why wouldn't it be on ice? Oh, you're just looking for, you know, these are mountain goats. So I think that's really interesting how you can kind of discuss the, the, you know, kind of evolution and, and, you know, the the geography, etc. I think that is pretty neat. And it's all in a pretty light package. We learned how to play this game in five minutes. Literally... It took longer to set the game up than it did for me to teach my my eight-year-old how to play. That's pretty exciting stuff right there. And I also like this is one of those games where the first player is the youngest. So first player, youngest player goes first, awesome. uh, which I do appreciate games that do that. So, yeah, that's Blue Orange Games Planet. That sounds really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. It sounds like something that especially... Um, my son would really like Gabriel would really enjoy that. I think you might sit down and play it. Yeah. It's the, the, the real cool part about it is the tactile, like holding your planet. You have to be gentle with it, but being able to move your planet around and really kind of exploring it in a 3d space is something that I had never done in a board game before. You know, I've built hundreds of tableaus and thousands of decks, right? Yes. But I've never built a three-dimensional object that I could pick up and move around. I've, I've built 3D objects, right? And I've manipulated 3D objects, but I've never had to turn it to try and count how many triangles of water I have. And, um, you know, you have to be really careful. This is way cooler than it should be. Uh, I picked this up. This game has been in the shrink since I bought it the day before lockdown. Oh, from a local friend was a uh, a local game store that opened. Guess when their opening date, their grand opening was. Oh no! Uh, March first of twenty twenty. Are they still open? They are, in fact. That's great. So it helps that their overhead was relatively low because they were relatively new. They also, so, and we don't need to get into the business side of it, but they also have a fairly good community of people who have supported them. And they they were one of the first people to do, they would leave stuff out on, you know, if you would buy stuff, you come to the window, they would do all the stuff and they would like leave it on the ground. You know, you could do, you know, pick, onsite pickup. And they have been holding, you know, and, and they're open now. Um, so... They got and so I wanted to make sure I picked up something. So I went the day before lockdown, masked up, and I was like, I got I want to support them. So I bought a couple packs of magic cards. I think I bought a D book and I picked up Planet because awesome. they have like this corner of really well curated cool games. And I was like, you know what? This was like this one was like right in that price point where I was like, you know what? If I get something bigger. I'm going to have to explain myself. And if I get something too (laughs) small, like then I'm not really helping them. So like I wanted to get something that was. And so we picked Planet and I've wanted to play it. It's just, you know, how this this last year has been. And now I suspect 
that we will be playing this quite a bit, especially since my younger son liked it. He really doesn't glom onto strategy games very often. And so the fact that this kind of helped him get into it and he really liked it, I'm all in. And I suspect that this is going to find its way onto a bunch of our EFG lists because I liked it quite a bit. I don't know if it's EFG essentials yet. That's like, you know, that's God tier stuff. Yeah, it's uh, pretty but, big stuff. You know, we're gonna have to have Linda play and uh, give us a and give us her opinion. I think that's a great idea. So you also played an expansion to Everdell. I did, and it was the Pearl Brook expansion, right? The water it was. one. Yeah, the, it's the the very first one um, that you could that you could pick up. So I mean, like, it's not universally beloved. Uh, and and I can kind of understand why the mechanics really do mess with the underpinnings of what makes Everdell like a really great engine building game. Sure. And at the same time, like it was so interesting to have different goals to work towards because that's kind of that's that's Ever- that's Everdell for you, right? Is that you have these these goals that are randomly generated at the beginning of the game that yep. you work towards, and you pick up creatures to live in your forest. And you pick up building, you build buildings to support those creatures. And a lot of the a lot of the ways in which that you can build this engine is to ensure that you always have enough resources so that you can eventually get these really big objectives. Which, yeah, so anyway, I, I really I love Everdell and I really enjoyed Pearl Brook, but I can understand some of the criticism behind it in that it kind of rewrites the game a little and it makes it it makes it a lot longer to play. Okay. The pearls, so the 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 new resource is that you have to work towards picking up these pearls in the game and let me see if I can pull up Let me see if I can pull this up. So you have you have a brand new little worker and your little worker is a froggy and the froggy goes into the river and that's the only place that's you can't send in like your regular your regular worker drones that's not how that works sure but you'll send your frog ambassador to send out and collect pearls there are new constructions out there you can construct adornments now the adornments are really interesting but i i honestly also believe that the adornments are really overpowered so okay. These adornments allow you to shift and change the game um, and spend pearls essentially to like generate more resources to, you know, in, in, in a number of different ways. Like I can't remember all of the different adornments. I only had the one. So, so yeah, like the, like the Pearl Brook expansion really does completely change the game. And in some ways it's really great. And in other ways it's not so great. But it's definitely worth checking out. Like if you're a big Everdell fan, like I love Everdell. I was so excited that I got that for my birthday this year. Actually, did I get it for my birthday? I might have gotten it for my birthday a couple of years ago. I don't remember, but I got it for my birthday at some point. It's been for a while. <clears throat> it's been for a while. I think I got the Pearl Brick expansion for my birthday in 2020. So, okay. so yeah, like I, I really enjoy it. Like it's got one of the adornments that you can pick up for example, is you can, for a pearl, so as you're going out and you're collecting your pearls, you can pull together like this thing called a bell. So one of these adornments is called a bell. And if you spend a pearl, you can gain like three berries, which are very helpful for recruiting creatures. And you can also draw a card for every critter in your city. It also, on top of that, awards you one victory point for every two critters in your city. Okay. So like yeah, it's pretty it's pretty OP, right? Like that was the one that I had. I had the bell. I liked it. Like like I said, I kind of like that it changes things a little bit, but also it just like it's just it's so OP if you cannot seem to manage. If you're one of the people that can't manage to get their hands on a pearl, you're going to be playing from behind the entire time. And that's not okay. positive. That doesn't feel good. Okay. I do love me a good engine building game. You know how I feel about engine building. I feel real good yep. about them. Like, I love mm-hmm. them. Yep. Me too. 
I'm going to have to play it. Man, the you list of games that we have to play when the world stops ending is very long. I think we're talking like a week of games. Um, oh, no. How terrible. I oh, won't do that at all. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm so miserable. No. That's terrible. All right. So that's Everdell Pearlbrook. That is Everdell Pearlbrook. Uh, let's see. Is that? Oh, it is an expansion. So, yep. so you need the base these, game to play it. Yeah, you definitely need the base game, which is expensive right now because it is out of print, it appears. Oh, um, really? Well, how, Everdell, well, I mean, it's saying it's 100 bucks for the initial for the original but um so yeah this is one of those everdell here's what my recommendation is for everybody on everdell this is one of those games that will be repeatedly reprinted because it is well loved it is absolutely gorgeous and i would not be i would be absolutely astonished if they didn't try to get another copy of Everdell printed whenever the Netflix Redwall series comes out. Like, right? Because the, the issue with Everdell is it's not Redwall, but like, you know, it's Redwall like it adjacent. But like it kind of is. It's kind of like the Justice League is not Avengers, <laughs> but like. And yet. And yet. So I, I would encourage. You know, you know, I, I keep this one on your radar. We will clearly talk about this one again. There are also several expansions because this is Everdell yeah. Pearlbrook, but there's also Everdell Belfair and Spirecrest, and all of them add new, basically new biomes, I guess for lack of a better term, new biomes, and then the the homies that live there. So, you know, your frogs in Pearlbrook, etc. Spirecrest is obviously mountains. And Belfair appears to be like meadows, whereas Everdell is a forest, right? It's all about the big tree. That's right. Um, this game is it look up some pictures on the internet of the tree for Everdell. The board is so cool. It's awesome. It is so cool. So that is around the horn. Look at that. Those are three realistically, three pretty good games. Um yeah, for us really. to have an opportunity to talk about. So um, let's do a uh, the newest segment. We did this last week, and we're going to do it again. We still have not heard back from our attorneys, largely because I have not asked them, because that costs money, guys. So the we don't know what we can call these things. So I'm going to call it with a big wink, wink, a fill-in word puzzle. I assure you. You will know exactly what we are doing within a few seconds. Amanda. Yeah. What's cool about this one is these ones are Dungeons and Dragons themed, which is appropriate specifically for the board game community. We're going to keep this one going for as long as I can. I think this one has like 30 of them. So that'll get us through a year, I'm hoping. So. Oh. Amanda, I would like a past tense verb. How about cast cast then i would leave i would like a plural form of an animal moose moose i have to right canadian yeah you have to i mean i think that's correct and i would like a verb sneak sneak okay all right next i would like an adjective An adjective. What are we good for D and D? Good description. I don't know. This is where. Oh, what is it? Scruffy. Scruffy. Okay. I'm imagining that I'm a rogue and I have a scruffy beard. Okay, and now like a plural noun. Daggers. Okay. And then an animal. Beaver. <laughs> uh, and then a verb ending in ing. Okay. Scaling. Scaling. Okay. And I would uh, like a plural for a part of the body. Eyes. An adjective. adjective. A good descriptor word for this rogue that I'm imagining that I am. Probably charming. Can I? Is that is that okay? Yeah. 
Charming works there. Okay. Yep. And a plural of a place. A plural of so a like places. So like. Okay. Malls, All right. Game okay. stops. How about coffee shops? Because everybody sure. loves a coffee shop in Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like, am I the only one? I mean, we I could also like, do taverns. Taverns might also be. Um, I already wrote coffee shops. Okay, all right, all right. Shops, and I wrote it in pen. So okay, um, no takesy backsies. Next is no takesy backsies because I'm writing in pen. Uh, next is plural noun. Coins. Okay, and then an adjective. A few more. Um, brave. Brave. Okay, and another verb ending in ing. Stabbing. <laughs> I have daggers. Now we're stabbing. Uh, and then an adjective. Warm. And then a verb. Run. And then an adverb. Okay. Extra here. <laughs> Magically. And then an exclamation. You can't use jinkies again. You used that last week. I did use that last week. It was a good one, though. It was good. I'm trying to think of, like, I have so many exclamations. Like personally, I have so many exclamations. How about um, "Sweet Mother of Muffins"? Sweet Mother of Muffins. There we go. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Regale me. The title of this story is "Adventure Awaits." Those who have cast even a single game of Dungeons and Moose. Know that adventure awaits those who dare to sneak it. Whether you're uncovering scruffy, world-ending daggers, slaying a mad beaver that is scaling villagers, or casting a spell to subdue a dragon with two eyes, your bravery is sure to be rewarded. You can explore anything from charming dungeons, haunted coffee shops, and mysterious chambers filled with glittering coins. That one was actually accurate. Actually, that's good. To even, I would definitely go to a haunted coffee shop. That sounds like a one shot to me. Anyway, that um, good. speaking of relationships, role playing or stabbing your character is a warm part of the fun. Similar to any adventure, you get what you run into it. So look alive and be wary of anyone who acts a bit too magically. And onward, sweet mother of muffins. <laughs> That was a fun tale. I enjoyed this. Okay, so there was our story. I think it was very funny. Uh, like I said, I would 100% play a Dungeons and Dragons one shop or one shot in a haunted coffee shop in like Waterdeep or something. That sounds like that sounds really perfect, cool. Sounds like a perfect level one one shot. Bring out your really stupid characters for that one. If you want to play a really dumb character idea? That's the one shot for it. Okay, so. Um, Let's get to the news because it. it's not very – you and I have news roundup episodes all the time. In fact, I have a feeling next week we're going to have to do another one on the video game side because of because Sony decided to like announce everything today. And they're doing it again on Thursday. So I have a feeling we're going to have plenty they'll of stuff to talk again. about. And they'll do it again. Plus, well, yeah. So we got a lot to talk about. But – Board games, it doesn't happen to us very often where just like an explosion comes up. But I was thinking about this. There was no New York Toy Fair this year. So a lot of the announcements that would normally be coming out from places like us in February from attending New York Toy Fair, uh, there ain't that, that didn't happen. So I think a lot of this is being kind of dealt with just like it has been on the video game side, which is they reach out and there's lots of exclusives and stuff getting put out. So uh, we have five announcements to talk about today. Oh, um, them were made today. And one of them, I don't know when it was announced, but the news article that I show where it was on a local news affiliate was an hour ago before we recorded. Sometimes they're really on time. Sometimes they're just filling up space and they found a new player, <laughs> you know, because, um, you know, th it, that's not games media. So 
Hey, Let's talk about. So I'm just going to go right down the list. So the new Dungeons and Dragons book was announced today. It is in the May slot, and that is Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Ooh. So for those of you that don't know, this is not. So this is going to be one of those books that is a uh, that is going to be a. I think it's going to be a little bit more divisive among Dungeons and Dragons fans, largely because. Ravenloft is gothic horror. Now you can play it as Scooby-Doo and monsters horror if you want. The Adams family, you know, because those are technically horror settings, right? They're scary. They're a little kooky. You can play it in a more comical way, but this is designed to really get into really scary stuff. So the previously Curse of Strahd was the boxed adventure that was set in Ravenloft in uh, the Valley of Barovia. This is expanding on that. And so what's in this book is it's going to be 256 pages, 30 new and reimagined realms from within Ravenloft. So the way Ravenloft works is it's not like a planet. It is a bunch of Micro, they what they are is their pocket dimensions. We want to get into like the extra stuff that are all um, surrounded by this mist. So you can walk from one into another, maybe, or you can get stuck in one and be trapped there. And all of them are their own different flavor of terrible. And what's one of the themes in Ravenloft is every one of these pocket dimensions. I'm using, I'm saying that in my obnoxious uh, accent because it really is like an extra word, right? Like I'm, it's just so it's extra. It's really there's no way other way to describe it. I mean, Each of them has like a unique villain because that's the idea. Is Ravenloft is. Because it's like universal monsters, right? You know, the mummy, the vampire, you know, each of these realms has someone that is responsible for making it all tick. And so these are intended to be you can just drop your players in there and let them run wild. That's kind of neat. The um, so if you're into that then this is great because it's 30 different little worlds to build adventures in. And it does have its own like 30 or 40 page, what I would amount to like maybe a one or two shot session set in one of those. And I think really it'll be good to give you an idea as to how to run a game in one of those 30 worlds. That's wonderful. Um, My new thing that I really like about all of it is uh, all of these books are being packaged with additional rules that are designed to be kind of brought into other, you know, your other games, your other sessions. And some of them are even getting uh, additional like tactics for how to keep your game under control. And so for the rules perspective, they are leaning into the lineage and heritage options that were described in uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, which we talked about, which is essentially like the yeah. replacement for race um, to attempt to be more sensitive in the modern world and recognizing Dungeons and Dragons was created back in like the seventies, which was very different than now. And, but also taking advantage of the design space that is allowed to exist when you uncouple the stats from the type of body that you have. And so they actually added a few, one of them being like, what happens if you're just chilling with vampires a lot and you turn into one? And another one is what happens if you're raised by witches and or other accursed creatures. And that is kind of neat. Um, it is. And so really now it's, oh, check this out. <laughs> you know, the the idea of having that kind of design space, I think helps I don't justify is the wrong word, but it helps solidify for me, like this was a good idea. For the right reasons, which is to be fair to people, to you know, be more culturally appropriate, appro- not appropriative. That's not the word. Cu- culturally appropriate, yes. um, but also, um, it can be cool for the game too, because now we can think about the, these the way our characters are created in a very different way and right. do all sorts of wild stuff. So I am super into that. It also has a whole chapter on how to deal with kind of checking in on your players if you're playing a horror game or if you're oh. doing something tense, which is very common in a lot of LARPs. 
you know, I know LARPs that have debriefs after modules or will have, you know, hand signals that you throw out in the middle of role playing to without detracting from the role play, make sure people are feeling safe and included. Because the thing about horror is something that you and I find hilarious or appropriately tense. Someone else at the table might be out of their mind. Right. And, you know, it could be as simple as, uh, there's a guy in our in, in my Dungeons and Dragons raid that is very um, arachnophobic, and so if there's sure. a spider on the screen, they actually have to like do something different so that they can play the game without interacting with the spider. And so that also means if you have a mount in World of Warcraft that is a spider, we just as a group agree to not use that. <laughs> You use one of the hundreds of other ones. Have. And so this is similar to that. It's like being recognizing that, you know, we're our group. This is a collaborative experience. Yes. And so showing respect for everybody. And I think that's really cool. And it's, I, I think, appropriate that they're throwing it into the horror setting. But I think it's relevant. Uh, every yeah. This is coming out in May. Just in time. What, what I love about the May timing, because originally I saw a bunch of people on Twitter being like, oh, well, May, this sounds like a Halloween product. No. Here's what I think is cool about this. This isn't an adventure, right? This is a setting. So this is going to be the perfect time for you, uh, for you intrepid dungeon masters to get this book and make a super awesome Halloween one shot to run with all of your vaccinated friends on Halloween. (laughs) That could be really exciting. And that gives you the entire summer to pick this up and run with it. Also, the collector's art cover for this book is bananas good. I love the collector, the collector's editions for these books. Oh man, it is so good. So that's the D&D campaign book. Um, 30 different settings and 30 different villains. I also think you could just steal the villains and use them wherever you want, but whatever, you know, it's your book. So that is announcement numero uno. What do you think of that? I think that's really interesting. And you know, it, it also, it also tend like, listen, I learned how to play Dungeons and Dragons during 2.0, right? Like that's, that's when I learned all the way back in the day. And I've been so sporadic in keeping up with a lot of the lore, man, I gotta tell you, I really, really appreciate the updated approach to running a horror game within the Dungeons and Dragons framework. And considering that running horror is really hard, like to be clear, it's very difficult. It's why I'm kind of dragging my heels about running uh, a Vampire the Masquerade, you know, mm-hmm. campaign because horror is very difficult to get right, and it's very easy to screw up and make somebody feel alienated and hurt them, and and everything like that. So having those guideposts in place to be able to inclusively play through something that can be as challenging as gothic horror within a Dungeons and Dragons framework is just really special. So I'm definitely going to, I'm going to have to go get eyeballs on that because that could be really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this one, as I was reading about it, I was like, you know what? This is a, this might suck her back in. This might suck her back in. Maybe, maybe, or maybe I'll just have to run one shots for you every once in a while. I love it. I love it. So next announcement, um, Amanda, please yeah. don't log off immediately. Uh oh, are you mousoing again? No, oh no, no, no! Oh my goodness! If somebody announced the di- if somebody announces the Dynasty Warriors board That'd game, be it. that'd be it for me, Could man. I would just have to. Uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine how insufferable you and Mike would be? <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, um, to be we are. We are. Um. We are already insufferable and we don't even have this board game yet. Uh, But no, please don't log off. But as of right now, literally today, you can buy a Stardew Valley board game. What? Yeah, no, I'm gone now. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So it's over. So Stardew Valley. That's awesome. One of it's uh, it's an EHE essential. It's a video game. It's a farming simulator with a lot of extra stuff. It is brilliant. Designed by one person with a little bit of help, but one person. And it has, I, I think, taken the world by storm is not an understatement. I would tend to agree. 
And so uh, Concerned Ape is the developer. Literally yep. single one person made this game and it's been out for a handful of years now and they keep updating it and they keep adding new stuff and the stuff that they add is just it just keeps getting better. They just dropped a giant update on console like last yeah. week. Yeah. Um, and Super so cool. I never in a million years would have predicted that a board game would come out of this. Not because it's inappropriate. In fact, no. quite the opposite. But no. like they they ain't got time for this. Yeah. Who has time for all the content updates on, you know? Yeah. I'm having a hard time <laughs> with that. Like, where did they find the time? Well, it turns out they found somebody to help them. So a designer named Cole Medeiros helped work with them to make a two to four player cooperative game where you are attempting to save your farm and the town from uh yaya mart or the yoja the walmart or whatever it's jojo mart is it jojo mart it's jojo mart i don't know how to pronounce it I'm, what it's is not the like, pronunciation that's my son wow who's definitely the shade, throwing, dad the um it's not like this game has voice acting so it's not you know whatever so the joja corporation and so the idea is it's played over a year there's a deck with seasons this looks awesome it has a solo mode so you can play one to four players which i think is very cool here's the thing when you think Stardew Valley, most people would think s- simple, casual game, easy gameplay, lots of depth, etc. They explicitly warn people in here that this game is not a simple strat. Like, so it's forty-five minutes per player, which Whoa. means if you get a, which means now, I mean, that's not like two hours. We're not playing like Twilight Imperium here, but 45 minutes a player means that if you are playing a four player game. OK, so that's a three hour board game. Now, three hours is not infinity, but that's still a lot. So um, this is meant for so the base version of this game is a chunky cooperative strategy game. There's lots of pieces. There's lots of stuff going on. They do indicate in the rule book that there will be ways to help simplify it. Okay. Also, it has a solo mode, which means you mm-hmm. could play it solo and just work together on those one turn. Oh, that's I my that. that's my shortcut. Um, the art is very reminiscent of Stardew Valley. The like uh, the little the, the characters, the the scarecrows, everything it looks like they attempted to just take the systems and all the chicanery in Stardew Valley and put it in a board game. And it is for it was announced today, and it was put on sale for today i would encourage you if you want this you're hearing this now pause this go buy this because this will if it is still for sale when we are talking about this it will not be for sale long do you disagree i don't disagree i think that i'm i honestly i was looking it up on my phone (laughs) that's fair uh, it is $55. Yes. So it's not cheap. However, but it's, it's not also $100. not as pricey as Adventure Tactics. It is not, nor is it as pricey as Twilight Imperium or Gloomhaven. 55 is really like the middle ground now. It used to be it that is. like 55 was like the top. And now board game companies are like, oh, wait, people like to buy expensive board games. So let's push the top up to 100 or more. This is like right in the middle. And I think if you if, – if there are some families I know that love them, some Stardew Valley, like as a video game. I think this is a great opportunity to play and kind of disconnect. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. I am going to try and get my hands on this. It's very tempting. Like maybe it is an for extremely – Maybe for the second printing, because I'm sure that yeah. there will be another printing. Or maybe I'll yeah. get it secondhand from somebody that bought it and didn't like it. Maybe that'll that's what I'll try and do. Uh, but this was released, announced and released today. No that's review copy drop. didn't go out. Who like Shadow like, Drops a board game? Who um, sh- concerned oomst. Abe does. Oomst. Oomst. Um, this guy does. You've been talking you have been talking to Cypher of Tear. Um <laughs> Hoomst. That's where, that's where I heard that from. She taught me about hoops. Um, 
I've been watching her uh, Dungeons and Dragons game on Saturdays with friend of the show Zombie Kills, and it's been great. Not for the children, though. Um, so, all right, so that's Stardew Valley. I'm really excited about this. $55. Just type in. I'll put a link in the in the show notes, but just type in Stardew Valley board game and you'll get there. Um, hopefully it is still available for you if you want it. Want to change pace entirely? I know I'm talking a lot. No, no, it's okay. I love listening to you talk. Don't worry about it. Let's change the pace entirely. Uh, Amanda, what are your thoughts on the Fast and the Furious movie franchise? <gasps> this is a way to get me to perk my ears up. Anytime so you, that so you like the Fast and the Furious movies, I really like the Fast and the Furious movies. They are delightful garbage. Delightful garbage is OK. So like it's my I, personal aesthetic, like I really, I really, really like the Fast and the Furious movies, even though I absolutely know that there are so many things about those movies that are deeply problematic, that are deeply challenging. Um. <sighs> But the characters are so great, and I loved Paul Walker, and also Hobbs and Shaw, and also, like, I just love Fast and the Furious. So, like, I am a, I'm an unapologetic fangirl. So, yeah. All right. I, so I you am, know this. I, I do. I do. So, my experience with the Fast and the Furious franchise, I watched the first one and the second one in theaters forever ago and then i kind of fell off because like you know there's a there's a lot there's a lot and but my sister who uh her fiance is a car nut like in a car club you know like the nine whole nine and so i'm sorry evan what the way you are about transformers yes he is like car like actual cars the way i am about transformers Okay. So, so which is to say a lot. And so they are all in on the Fast and the Furious movies. And I had meant to keep watching, but like, you know, I'm busy. And so last year, well, the year before last, we decided to have a movie marathon where we watched all of the Fast and the Furious yes. movies I in love a row it. over the course of two days. That's so good. Let me tell you that when you and this, I say this to everybody watching. First off, Fast and the Furious, these movies are PG-13. They are no better or worse than any of the Avengers stuff that you are watching. So if you are taking your kids to watch the Avengers and you have no problem with any of the stuff happening there, including Tony Stark's chicanery, etc. The Fast and the Furious is no worse than them. And I will say this. That it goes from a funny like heist racing movie. It, it gets deep. And in the in the the most recent ones, they are, as I like to refer to them, the race car Avengers, because they just do crazy stuff. The most recent one to like save the world. It's, the, it's literally save the world there. They do battle with a nuclear submarine on a frozen lake. It's incredible. And it also helps when you're watching these movies if you just pretend that Ludacris is playing himself. That makes it so much better if you just pretend that that is not Ludacris, the actor, playing another guy because he's obviously a talented actor. He's doing, you know, he's playing a very good character. If you just that pretend, awesome. if you just pretend that he's playing himself, it makes the movie so much better. So, why are we talking about Fast and the Furious on this family-friendly focused gaming podcast? Well, that's because Funko Games is releasing. <laughs> I can't even say it out loud. Dude, you have to. Fast and the Furious Highway Heist, a two to four player cooperative strategy game by Prospero Hall. <sighs> I can't wait. What? I'm having a um, I'm having a tough time like letting this every, in. Every word that I just said to you is English and correct. It's like canonically in the world canon, Funko Games is releasing a Fast and the Furious cooperative strategy game. Now, do you remember? Well, well I'm it, buying it because yeah, clearly uh, I'm going to have to play it. Yeah, clearly. Um, Do you remember the original Fast and the And also, by the way, it's only $30. Yeah. What? So, How is that um, even allowed? Well, so remember the first movie? Yeah, of course. 
where they were doing the crazy heists where there was the three cars and they were trying to rob from the the trucks. Yep, absolutely. It's that. That's pretty cool. So you're playing Dom, Brian, Letty, Roman. You remember Roman? Of course I remember Roman. And so you're rolling dice and swerving cars and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. It is. So you are doing one of those highway heists with your three vehicles, trying to get onto a uh, tractor trailer truck. At this point, by the way, it's really funny if you think about the actual stuff that was in those things. Because when because they were like DVD players and like big, you know, like what televisions that would only be used to play Super Smash Brothers Melee. (laughs) And so, yeah, this is coming out very soon. Let me see. When is it? Um, You know, it doesn't say when it's coming out. I know it's coming out very soon. Oh, it's releasing in May. There we go. Highway oh, Heist okay. in May. So this is okay. very soon, just in time for the summer blockbuster season. And let me tell you, $30, which and this goes along with Funko Games. All their games are, are, are aggressively priced. And it's Prospero Hall. That's the Funko Games development house. They make bangers just nonstop. I sent a picture of this to my sister who does not like board games. Like she'll play Payday with us. That's it. Fair enough. And I'll play Payday before I play Monopoly, just because Payday is at least funny. Um, Monopoly is depressing. (laughs) Payday is at least kind of funny. She's like, wow, I guess we have to buy this. And I was like, okay, for $30? You're darn right I will. So that's Fast and the Furious Highway Heist. That was also announced today. And I'm really like – I'm going to be honest, this game makes me really glad that there wasn't a toy fair. Ignoring the um, ignoring Local the pepperoni. fire engine attacking, could you imagine how badly I would have embarrassed myself being brought into the Funko you game? You would have squeaked. And seeing there would have been game? squeaking. I would, like, I would have embarrassed myself. They wouldn't have judged me, I don't think. I mean, they no, they are the Funko Games not. people, but I definitely would have embarrassed myself. So that's Fast and the Furious Highway Heist that's coming out in May. Cool. We will be having it and posting pictures and talking about it. I cannot wait. I need it in my life. <sighs> Speaking of things, what do you think about Disney's Gargoyles? I'm sorry. Are we just like pulling from my childhood today? Like, what are we doing? To be fair, Fast and the Furious isn't isn't old enough to have been from your childhood. It is from my adolescence, however, because it was from the early aughts. Oh, that's right. You're significantly younger than me. I forgot about that. So, like, Um, when it came out, I was uh, I was like 13, 14 years old. So. Oh, okay, that's fine. I'll allow it. Uh, I'm I'm struggling. I'm struggling. We're gonna get through this. So we're just pulling. We're just. We're just pulling beats of things that I've loved forever and ever. We know we love Ravensburger. Of course. And Ravensburger Undying is... Undying love thing. for Robinsburger. Yeah. Is it Robinsburger? All right. Robinsburger. It is Robinsburger. Um, is releasing a uh, Gargoyles. Is an original Gargoyles tabletop game. It's coming out. It doesn't say yet. Oh, actually, it's coming out August 1st in Target. Because Robinsburger is all over on Target for $35. What? Which is also very inexpensive. I love that. With Gargoyles minifigs, including the whole six main cast. I'm having Um, a hard time. I'm having a hard time with this. In like the best way, but I'm also very upset. Because I want want these games now. Yep. Yeah. You do battle on a three-dimensional cityscape board showing Manhattan as it was presented in the cartoon, complete with Xanatos Castle on top of a skyscraper, the police clock tower, and more. So it is essentially – this feels like an RPG in a box kind of thing. It's got four different scenarios that provide players with different challenges, and they are four different scenarios from the first season of the original cartoon. Because we know that it had two or three seasons, and then it inexplicably went away. The later yeah. seasons got way weird. They did. Not like the first season wasn't weird, because like Gargoyles coming to life in Manhattan is weird. I but mean, like, it is kind of strange. 
but the first one was fantasy was modern fantasy and then after yeah. that it went nuts um so it's you know reawakening so it's facing off against xanatos and demona and then uh temptation and magic which is an episode demona has stolen the grimoire marcanorum and used the magic to enslave innocence um information warfare that's the there was an episode where they had to go get discs and it was funny because they didn't know what they were because yes, that it, was really funny you know um they're like i remember brooklyn specifically reacting very strangely to that because they're like what what do we do with these um and then battle with the steel clan which is when they were fighting the robot gargoyles which was like a couple of episodes. This that is just the whole thing about this. We, I mean, we obviously have not played any of these games. This sounds awesome. Robinsberger also just puts out just banger after banger. So seriously, like, I don't, I don't know what is going on with their internal design teams, but they have been just rushing it for so many years at this point, like the last handful of years for Robinsberger, um, even with their licensing stuff has just been unbelievable. Yeah, it's, they do crazy stuff that what's so crazy about this. And this is kind of where we'll, you know, kind of finish the topic off, right. Is in video games, up until very recently, licensed was a cuss word. Right? It was. Oh, it's just a licensed game. Just and a shovel there. With the exception of like Batman, who I think people don't really think of Batman as a license, which is weird. Because like Batman is definitely a license. But like everything else was like, oh, it's a licensed title. Meh. Right. You know. Right. And that's only it's a in the tie-in or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it's like relatively recently that video games have started to figure out like how to do it right where we started to see more good licensed games yeah, right absolutely. and obviously that's because the video game industry has matured and they've realized that it's a good idea to not just waste time developing garbage it's better to make good things and attach them to the things that people love because then more people will buy them it's like boom, mind blown and i think board games are kind of in the same boat right it sounds like yep. you know board games have realized look we have talented designers who are awesome at like letting you build you know, f networks of train stations and we're all about like, let's let's like smuggle weird crap from place to place. And like we can do all this weird junk in weird themes. So if we can do that, then why can't we just be weird gargoyles or why can't we try and steal from a truck in Fast and the Furious? You know what I mean? Like we were yeah, doing it exactly. in Wolf Express. So why can't we do it in um, – so it's just so interesting that board games kind of made that jump and it really does feel like it's all at once. Because yeah. for a while, there was like the OP was that – was, that was their thing, right? They did licensed games. That was their thing. We were used to it. Some of them were good. Some of them were bad. But most of these other companies really didn't do it and now they're all in. Yeah. You know? It's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really interesting to see like that cultural shift too, because it's not just with the companies themselves; it's with audiences, and uh, because audiences are much more savvy these days about what mm -hmm. they want from their games, they can communicate that, and they can put that kind of feedback out there on Twitter, on Board Game Geek, you know, on Facebook, and everything like that. And the designers and the publishers take that information that they're, you know, that their teams are gleaning or what have you, and they're able to kind of roll with it mm -hmm. and realize, hey, check it out. Maybe we are ready for more licensed stuff, but we can't just phone it in. It has to be great. And if we well, really blow them away with something great, think about how, think about that impact. Like if we think about Jaws, the board game, right? Like mm -hmm. the Jaws board game is exceptional that's another Robinsberger banger and mm -hmm. i didn't know what to think about the game when i first saw it i was like what a jaws board game nah that that game is legit it is the real yeah. deal i agree one thing i will say and i think gargoyles is probably one that kind of lives in that same world is i know that there is at least among board game, this is going into target. So this is going to be a little different, but I think among board game hobbyists, there is a, 
you know, you've seen those memes where it's like collecting board games and playing board games are two different hobbies. And I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think what's Ooh. really interesting about the some of these games is that like maybe the game doesn't even have to be like crazy amazing, but like you got to make it look really good and it like looks good on a shelf and, and it's still might even so well. Right. Yeah. Gargoyles is going to be a little different. That's going to be a target. That. You know, it's going to be a target. So it's going to go crazy. I mean, plenty of people our age are going to see that and be like, oh, we got to bring it home to the kids. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely going to be something that I want to sit down and play with the little ones and be like, all right, now that you've played the board game, let's go watch it on Disney Plus. Yeah. August 1. Not long. Just bonkers. So, Amanda, we did it. We did. Those were our announcements. And we went around the horn. We did a fill-in word puzzle. And thank you for helping fill in for Linda inexplicably. It was supposed to be a group project, and it turned into you and me once again. I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with just being the person that just comes in and I'm like, I am here. <laughs> you just got to show up. I mean, the good news is I didn't put you, because this is board game week, you didn't even really have to come prepared with anything. I just got to shout at you about news assignments, about news great. announcements rather. And you got to tell me thumbs up, thumbs down. Pretty much everything today with a thumbs up. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I am, I'm big excited. Yeah, way to go, board game people. So, everybody, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. We will be back next week, very likely, to talk about a series of announcements from Nintendo and from Sony. And by then, I'm sure Microsoft will have done something. And because, you know, it comes in threes in this video game space. And Lord knows we're not talking about Google Stadia. So, everybody, we will be back next week. I hope you have a wonderful week. Until then... Don't forget to get your family game on. See you soon. Bye. Bye.